to the scripture. I believe that the Lord has uh, put something on my heart and I want to try to minister today. I'm reading from 1 Kings chapter 3. I want to read verses 26 and 27. And uh, for those that have chosen to, to worship with us online, whether you're members of this local church congregation or if you are a friend or some a friend has invited you to be with us, God bless you so much today. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're worshiping with us. 1 Kings 3 verse 26, Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child, and in no way, no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And I want to talk today for a little while about the nature of a mother. It's a created nature. God created mothers. Uh, he, um, the scripture says that, he, you know, we're, we are distinctly different. We're different in every aspect. Men and women are, are not alike. Thank God for that. And, um, there are characteristics that both genders are created with, and they're, they're God-ordained characteristics. For mothers, God put a special thing inside their hearts. Uh, a surgeon wouldn't be able to find it. He, 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 couldn't, he couldn't cut on her and dig out this, but there is something that is instinctive. There... Uh, there Mothers feel an instinctive desire to protect their young. And it happens in, it happens in the human family. It happens in the animal kingdom. I don't know if you've ever watched, have you ever watched a bird or a pair of birds swooping down on a cat coming so dangerously close that the cat really could spring and catch the bird? and swat it to the ground and eat the bird. But the bird endangers itself. It swoops down, pecks at the cat, swoops, circles, swoops, and, and until finally the cat in frustration and, and anger will leave. But the mother is doing that because there's a nest close by. And that small, vulnerable baby bird would be a meal for that cat if the mother didn't have that instinctive knowledge, the urge that I've got to drive this predator away. Have you ever, have you ever seen a mama bear guarding her cub throughout the animal kingdom? It's that way. And, and that's something that is in mothers. Now, this text that I read demonstrated that that's a compulsion. The story says, you see, there was a brand new king who was named Solomon. He had just uh, come to the throne. And uh, the Bible says there were two women. They were, they were harlots. And they came to the king and they stood before him. And one woman said, oh, my Lord, this, this woman and I live in the same house. And I had a baby. And I... I had this baby son and, and I, I nourished it. 
And it said, on the third day after I had my baby, this woman had a baby. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while the handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, the dead is the is yours. And they said this back and forth. And then the king spoke. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that lives, thy son that's dead. The other said, No, but thy son that's dead, my son's the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. And that nature of a mother screamed out because there's something in that mother that gave birth to that little baby. Say, you're not going to cut my baby. You're not going to cut my child. Then spake the woman whose the living child was under the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. The other said, Oh, it don't matter. Hey, let's, let's, let's share it. The king said, I know who the mama is, because I've seen the nature of a mother. I, I see somebody that says, This is flesh of my flesh. You see, the mother feels that bond with that child because it's part of her, part of her flesh. It's part of that breathing body that she lives in. She, it was formed in the safety. It was part of her body that, that contributed to this birth. She felt it as it's formed and, and, and begins to grow inside her body. Her, her womb is the safety room for this developing baby. Now God programmed her mind to be focused on protecting and caring for that vulnerable, defenseless, not yet strong or stable baby. The baby don't know how to provide for itself, don't know how to protect itself, it has no defense mechanism. If somebody's not careful and watchful without somebody with a watchful eye and a protecting hand uh, through all of those growing early years, that baby may be harmed, maybe even die. Because that mother's going to watch not only through the diaper days, but through the standing up and holding on to something days and taking the first step days. She's going to She's going to cry the first day he has to leave for school. She's going to wonder if the teacher is going to be as compassionate toward her child as she is. She's going to think nobody really understands. It. You know, if, if, he, if, if he starts to frown, I know a little tear is going to, and I understand why. If I could be there, I, I could 
comfort him. I, I, he'll be afraid. He's probably going to cry. He's probably going to be scared because there's strangers around him and there's a woman he don't know. And if I could just be there because that, that mother nature is at home, but her heart is in that little classroom. And so, you know, she wants to be there. She wants, throughout these growing years, she wants to be there to kiss away the hurts. And when the baby's small, he wants those kisses. But she wants to kiss him even when, when that son starts being embarrassed. No, Mom, don't. We're too close to school. It's okay. Just pray for me. But that mama nature is saying, I am going to surround my child. I'm going to protect my child. Nobody's going, nobody's going to harm my baby. She's still the mama bear that, that will, will attack a whole family of lions if she has to, to protect her baby. So she, that spirit in her, that nature is that even when she is exhausted, when she's tired, when she's so exhausted she feels like she can't take another step, she still hears that little whimper in the night and she's going to get her. If that baby's sick, she's going to be sitting there. She, she might have been up all day long, but she's going to be sitting there bathing the head of that little feverish brow and she, she's going to be patting the cheek of that little baby and, and guarding it because that mother's nature is there. Now, her... The you know the um, her job never ends. She um, she doesn't work a seven to three or eight to four or nine to five. Sometime we as men might not always remember when we go to our job and do our job and come home and think, woman, it'd be nice if I could sit in the chair and you could bring me newspaper glass of tea while you're finishing supper and by the way I hear the baby crying why don't you do something about that and the thing is she's been doing something about it all day long and um, she's going to keep on doing it after she gets the supper served and the table cleaned and the dishes washed she's still going to have to bathe the baby and, and she, she'll, she'll work around the clock almost and that mother's heart, even exhausted, the mother is going to still be hovering over. I read the story, and um, this is in the animal kingdom, but it, it illustrated that protective spirit of the mother. There was a fire in the hen house, and the fire burned, burned the hen house down. The farmer came out kicking through the ashes, saw burned blackened lump of something and with his foot kicked it over and from underneath the dead mother all the little biddies came walking out because she protected them with the insulation of her own body while their home burned around them that's the spirit that's the nature and so the that's she's tenacious in her defense. Uh, the Bible tells the story of another mother. Her name was Rizpah, 
And here's what the Bible said. It was in the famine in the days of David, three years. And David went to the Lord and said, Lord, what's, you know, what's the uh, problem here? Uh, it's not raining. We can't get our crops to grow. And God said, well, King Saul did something he shouldn't do. Uh, he, um, he tried to kill all the Gibeonites. Now, the Gibeonites, let me just explain who they were. When the Israelites were coming from Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea and they started their campaign, they took the city of Jericho and the cities of Ai and they started conquering these lands, everybody was afraid. And there were people from, uh, from Gibeah who said, oh my goodness, when they come here, uh, they're going to destroy us too. So uh, they they put old, worn-out clothes on and worn-out shoes. <coughs> they took moldy bread and they took wine skins that were dry and cracked and leaking. And they came into the camp of Israel and they said, oh, we heard about you. We're from a long way away and we, uh, we heard about you and what your God has done for you and we want to make a league with you. And the Bible says that the Israelites didn't ask God about this. They made a league. Okay, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be partners. You know, we'll watch each other's back. We're not going to hurt you. And about two days later, they came to the city and realized that they had been fooled. And they said, why did you do this? You told us you came from a long way, but we made a promise. So we're not going to kill you, but you're going to be our servants. And so long years passed, but King Saul said, you know, I don't like these people. And he had gone about to kill them. Now, I'll give you the background of the story. God said, now, David, that's why it's a famine. We hadn't paid for Saul's debts. So David, the king, called the Gibeonites and uh, he said, uh, what, what can we do? I want to make this right. And they said, well, we don't want your silver or gold. We don't want Saul's silver or gold. We don't want his family to pay us something. Uh, but we, he, he is the one that consumed us. He killed us. And, and so uh, we want seven of his sons to be given to us and we're going to hang them. And so here's what King David did. He took, the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, whom she bare unto Saul. So here's two of Saul's sons and Rizpah is the mother. And then he took five sons of Michael, the daughter of, of Saul, and he delivered them into the hand of the Gibeonites and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord and they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of barley harvest. And let me just, let me say they stayed until the let me read the next verse and I'll explain this. And Rizpah, here's the mother, Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock from the beginning of harvest until water dropped 
upon them out of heaven and suffered neither the birds of the air to rest on them by day nor the beast of the field by night. She stayed from about the end of April until sometime in October. Through the day she's chasing the birds away with her blanket. Every bird that want to let, uh, land on the body of her dead son and pluck out the eyes and feed on the rotting flesh, she said, not my boy. I know, I know they're not breathing. I know they're hanging from a tree, but you're not going to have the body of my, my sons. And at night with her bonfire, if the predators came, the coyotes, the wolves, she's chasing them with a burning torch. She said, not my boys. Not, it, the, the stench of their death may be calling for you. You, you. you may think it's your next meal, but not these boys. Because that's a mama. That is a tenacious mother that said, I know I'll never, they'll never hug my neck. They'll never remember me on Mother's Day. But they're still my boys. That's the nature of a mother. She was so tenacious, so focused on defending the remains of her sons that the word finally came back to King David. It was told David what was Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, the concubine of Saul, had done. And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, for the men of Jabesh-Gilead. Saul and his sons died in battle against the Philistines. The men of Jabesh-Gilead went and, and, and stole their bodies and take them, took them to the Israelite city of Jabesh-Gilead. And King David says, I'm going to go bring their bones. And the Bible says that, and they gathered the bones of them that were hanged. And King David buried them, gave them a royal burial. It's the tenacity of a determined mother. That's one of the traits of motherhood the, the Bible said there are others that show this kind of spirit Jesus said there was a woman out of Canaan came and she came to him she said oh have mercy my daughter's grievously vexed with the devil and um, first thing he just didn't say anything to her just ignored her the disciples said, oh send her away and uh, so he, he tested her severely because you know I'm going to see if you're a real mother or not he didn't say that but he is testing her and testing her tenacity, testing her faith. He, he didn't answer at first. And then she's just persistent. And so at first, then he says, oh, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I didn't come for your, you know, your race of people. I just came for Israelites. And instead of being angry and offended, the Bible says, then she came and worshiped him said, Lord, help me. But he still wasn't through. Then he said, oh, it's not right for me to take the children's food and feed it to dogs. And he called, her, he called her a dog. And instead, here's what she said. Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, oh, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour because there's, there's that spirit. There is that mama spirit that said, I'm not 
going to quit. I'm not going to give up. That's the mama's spirit that through the nights praying for a sick child and saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to give up. I, I, this, this child, I, I gave birth to this child. I dedicated this child in a church one day and I said, God, this is your child. And if you ever call my child to be a servant, if you want my child to be a missionary, if you want my child to be a, a preacher, if you want my child just to be a good worker in the factory and be faithful to you and witness to his co-workers, I gave this child to you. And so I'm standing over my child tonight and praying, I'm not going to give up. That's the spirit. That's the tenacious spirit. The prophet Elisha dealt with a mother like that. He, uh, She had made a, a home. She and her husband had made a home uh, for the man of God who had passed through. They made a little room for him. And um, trying to do something good in return, uh, he was saying, what can I do? And the, his servant said, well, they don't have any children. So Elisha said, you know, ma'am, you're going to have a baby. Nine months from now, you're going to have a baby. And uh, she's, she's saying, oh, you know, don't play a joke on me. But she had a baby. The Bible says the baby grew, and, and one day uh, this child went out to the field where the father was working, and he said, oh, my father, my head, my head. And it sounded like a sunstroke or something, I don't know for sure what. And, and, and so one of the servants uh, brought the boy home, and the mama sat with him until he died. But here's a tenacious mama that said, I'm not going to let go. So she takes her dead son and lays him on the bed of the man of God, that room that she and her husband prepared. And she said, get me something to ride on. I'm going to go find the man of God. And her husband said, oh, this is the wrong time of year. She, she's, she just said, don't, don't get in my way. She said, don't anybody slow me down. I'm going to find the man of God. The Bible says that, that uh, Elisha and his servant saw her coming. And, and Elisha said, go, go check and see what's wrong. And Ask her, is it okay with your home, your you know, your husband, your house, whatever? Uh, and everything the servant came, came rushing to her, and she's just, I mean, she's steady coming on to the man of God. Is ever everything all right? It is well. What about your husband? It is well. Everything at home, it is well. Because you you see, you you're not gonna divert my attention you're not going to get me sidetracked because that's the man over there that's the man of God and that's where I'm going he's the one that spoke this child into my life and he's the one that's got to take the responsibility now and so she comes to the man of God when she came to the man of God to the hill she caught him by the feet the servant was going to push her away and man of God said let her alone her soul is vexed and the Lord's hid it from me I don't know what's the matter and she said, did I ask you for a son? Didn't I say, don't trick me, don't deceive me? And then the man of God said to her, hey, okay, Gehazi, here, take my staff. Uh, go go and, and uh, lay, lay my staff on the face of that child. But mama's not leave. The Bible says, the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. I mean, you can send your servant with your walking stick if you want to, but you're the man that spoke this child in my life, and you're the man that's going home with me because my child means 
enough to me that I'm not going to turn you loose. That's the spirit of the mother in that child. I'm going to say a mother knows how to comfort her child. You know, a, man, a dad may say, hey, what's the matter? It's not that bad. Uh, but a mother knows when to hold her child. I would say even, even girls have an instinctive mother spirit about them that boys don't have. You know, boys don't need to play with dolls, but if they do, they probably pick it up by the leg and beat the fire truck with it. But little little girls, so they pick up a doll. They've got one hand around its neck, one hand under its body. They hold it up to themselves. Little girls do that. I, I read I read a story about a, a little girl came in and told her mother. She said, uh, "Mother, my friend, uh, my friend broke her doll, but I helped her." And her mother said, "What'd you do? Did you fix it?" She said, "No, I helped her cry uh, because that spirit, that empathy, that." That that heart, that mother spirit is born instinctively. It is created in a mother. So God, you know, God used this. He used this mother's ability to be a comforter. He used that as an illustration for himself. Isaiah 66, 13, he was talking to Israel. He said, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. I'm going to say that motherhood comes with a price tag. There's, there's pain. There's the pain in childbirth. The Lord said to Eve in Genesis 3.16, Under the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shall thou bring forth children. Jeremiah 4.31 spoke of it. It says, For I've heard a voice as of a woman in travail and the anguish as of her that bringeth forth her first child. He said there's sorrow. It's painful. It's, it's hurt. I've heard ladies say women, men don't know what real pain is. Uh, you don't know what it is until you have to give birth. Um, the mother comes to the very doorway of death while giving birth. Uh, in the years before C-section deliveries, many mothers died giving birth. And uh, there's pain associated with it. But Jesus said there's something in the nature of a mother that makes the pain worth it to her personally. It's in John 16, 21. He said, A woman when she is in travail hath sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the, into the world. She said, Here's this little, little life. I've been carrying it for nine months. I've been protecting it. I've been, guard, I've been guarding how I walk where I don't, I don't want to bump into stuff. I don't want to fall. I've been eating the right things. I've been refusing things that are harmful. I'm just going to say godly, God-fearing, honorable mothers don't have cracked babies. I, I may offend somebody by saying that. But you see, that godly mother is saying, look, I'm not just taking care of myself. I'm taking care of a life that God made me responsible for. 
And so she said, you know, I've been, I've, I've been carrying him. I've been feeling him grow. I've been, I felt first time he kicked. I felt in the night whenever I, I was wanting to, to turn and, and I could, I could, I could feel him restless. And, um, now I'm going to get to feed him and bathe him and dress him or dress her. M- mamas with boys probably miss out on something because mamas with girls get the frocked stuff and the lace and the pretty colors and the ribbons and bows. My my wife would always dress our daughter and since she didn't have any hair, she would tie a bow around her head, tie a ribbon around her head with a bow on top and invariably, old men in the store would say, is it a boy or a girl? As, as though she would have tied a bow around a boy's head. Now, I mean, you might, have, might put a, a ninja band around his head, but not a bow. And, uh, but here's this mother. She's had sorrow and travail. But she forgets it all now because I got my baby. I'm going to be able to feel his warm body against mine. I'm going to feel how soft he is. I'm I'm going to feel how cuddly he is. I'm going to feel him snuggle up against me. I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch his eyes close while he's nursing. I'm going to brush the side of his cheek while he sleeps. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get to enjoy this baby of mine. I'm going to be able to uh, help him stand. I'm, I'm going to watch and try to help him make those, that first careful step. When he, when he is able to get up on his knees and crawl, I, I'm going to be cheering. I'm going to take so many pictures that there won't be room in the computer to store them all because she forgot all about the hurting. She forgot that um, I, I, I shouldn't tell this but there was a, a mother that said to me did you hear all those other mothers out there in those rooms and they were screaming and, and I'm, I'm glad that I didn't make any noise I, there was a, I, I had a tape recorder and played it back we our room was about like everybody else's room but you see you for, you forget that hurt that anguish because you're the mama. Hey, that's part of me. That baby is part of me. I, I'm, I'm going to get to hold that life. I brought that life into this world. I'm going to get to take my baby to church. And this baby may break my heart someday, but I'm going to love it and we'll provide for it while it's still mine. Now, all the, I'm, I'm just saying that this is, this is what God created a mother to feel. I'm going to have to say that sadly, there have been women who did not like the way God ordained them to be, or their lives to be, or their their purposes and services and their their job descriptions. It's okay to say that because God, you know, God created us. And when he finished, he said, it's, this, it, this is very good. What I've done is good. But there have been women who 
in anger wanted to destroy their role that God intended for them to play. And instead of being the nurturer, they became the murderer. They became the uh, uncaring, the vicious, the violent. I'm, I'm probably, if it, maybe the person that I would offend is not even watching today, but I'm just going to say that's not the created nature of motherhood. But, I mean, everything's not always perfect. I mean, everybody knows that you don't, you don't like it when the baby is crying at 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, daddy can't nurse the baby. You've got to be the one. Uh, it, it, there, everything's not perfect. But if you got the spirit of a mother, it's going to be okay. I want to share a little testimony. I'm going to read this. A woman gave her testimony. She said, my husband and I had been happily married for five years, but hadn't been blessed with a, a baby. I decided to do some serious praying and promised God that he would give us a child. I would be a perfect mother, love it with all my heart, and raise it with his word as my guide. God answered my prayers and blessed us with a son. The next year, God blessed us with another son. The following year, he blessed us with yet another son. The year after that, we were blessed with a daughter. My husband thought we'd been blessed right into poverty. We now had four children, and the oldest was only four years old. I learned never to ask God for anything unless I'm in it. I began reading a few verses of the Bible to the children each day as they lay in their cribs. I was off to a good start. God had entrusted me with four children, and I didn't want to disappoint him. I tried to be patient the day the children smashed two dozen eggs on the kitchen floor searching for baby chicks. I tried to be understanding when they started a hotel for homeless frogs in the spare bedroom, although it took me nearly two hours to catch all 23 of them. When my daughter poured ketchup all over herself and rolled up in a blanket to see how it felt to be a hot dog, I tried to see the humor rather than the mess. In spite of changing over 25,000 diapers, never eating a hot meal, and never sleeping for more than 30 minutes at a time, I still thank God daily for my children. While I couldn't keep my promise to be a perfect mother, I did keep my promise to raise them in the Word of God. I knew I was missing the mark just a little when I told my daughter we were going to church to worship God and she wanted to bring a bar of soap along too to wash up Jesus too. Something was lost in the translation when I explained that God gave us everlasting life and my son thought it was generous of God to give us his last wife. My proudest moment came during the children's Christmas pageant. My daughter was playing Mary. Two of my sons were shepherds and my youngest son was a wise man. This was their moment to shine. My five-year-old shepherd had practiced his line. We found, the baby, we found the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, but he was nervous and said, the baby was wrapped in wrinkled clothes. My four-year-old Mary said, that's not wrinkled clothes, silly. That's dirty, rotten clothes. A wrestling match broke out between Mary and the shepherd and was stopped by an angel who bent her halo and lost her left wing. I slouched a little lower in my seat when Mary dropped the doll representing baby Jesus, and it bounced down the aisle crying, Mama, Mama. 
Mary grabbed the dog, wrapped it back up, and held it tightly as the wise men arrived. My other son stepped forward wearing a bathrobe and a paper crown, knelt at the manger, and announced, We are the three wise men, and we are bringing gifts of gold, common sense, and fur. The congregation dissolved into laughter, and the pageant got a standing ovation. I've never enjoyed a Christmas program as much as this one, laughed the pastor, wiping tears from his eyes for the rest of my life. I'll never hear the Christmas story without thinking of gold, common sense, and fur. I just want to say that sometimes parents get a little overwhelmed. Uh, I heard that you spend the first two years of their life teaching them to walk and talk, spend the next 16 years telling them to sit down and shut up. Uh, Somebody said mothers of teens now know why some animals eat their young. And children seldom misquote you. In fact, they usually repeat word for word what you shouldn't have said. And somebody said the main purpose of holding children's parties is to remind yourself that there are children more awful than your own. And somebody said we childproof our homes, but they still get in anyhow. Uh, I read this. A mother wrote this. She said, things I've learned from my boys, and I'm not kidding. A king-sized waterbed holds enough water to fill a 2,000-square-foot house four inches deep. If you spray hairspray on dust bunnies and run over them with rollerblades, they can ignite. A three-year-old boy's voice is louder than 200 adults in a crowded restaurant. If you hook a dog leash over a ceiling fan, the motor is not strong enough to rotate a 42-pound boy wearing Batman underwear and a Superman cape. It is strong enough, however, if tied to a paint can to spread paint on all four walls of a 20-by-20 room. She said, I've learned you should not throw baseballs up when the ceiling fan is on. When using the ceiling fan as a bat, you have to throw the ball up a few times before you get a hit. A ceiling fan can hit a baseball a long way. The glass in windows, even double pane, does not stop a baseball hit by a ceiling fan. When you hear the toilet flush and the words, "Uh uh-oh, it's already too late. Brake fluid mixed with Clorox makes smoke and lots of it. A six-year-old boy can start a fire with a flint rock, even though a a 36-year-old man says you can only do that in the movies. Certain Legos will pass through the digestive tract of a four-year-old boy. Play-Doh and microwave should not be used in the same sentence. Super glue is forever. No matter how much jello you put in a swimming pool, you still can't walk on water. Pool filters do not like jello. VCRs do not eject. PB&J sandwiches, even though TV commercials show they do. Garbage bags do not make good parachutes. Marbles and gas tanks make lots of noise when driving. You probably do not want to know what that odor is. Always look in the oven before you turn it on. Plastic toys do not like ovens. The fire department in Austin, Texas has a five-minute response time. The spin cycle on the washing machine does not make earthworms dizzy. It will, however, make cats dizzy. Cats throw up twice their body weight when dizzy. 
Three boys under the age of 15 can consume a 20-pound turkey in one sitting. Fingernail polish remover poured in an aquarium will not remove the color from the fish. However, it will require you to purchase new fish. When taking boys to shop in an Army Navy store, never allow them to purchase a book on ammunition and explosives. Anything up to the size of a matchbox can become stuck in a small boy's nose requiring a trip to the ER. If your son does get a matchbox car stuck up his nose, do not leave your husband alone to consider how his son managed to do this or you may end up with a second trip to the ER. And finally, she said, 80% of men who read this will try mixing Clorox and brake fluid. I just shared that. You know, being, being the perfect mother doesn't mean that you're always angelic. Sometimes you are at your wit's end and you'd like to farm them out to somebody. But keep on loving the mothers. I want to salute our mothers today. Uh, I, I want you to realize that God has chosen you and specifically given you the emotional temperament and the compassionate ability to be the mother that you are. I want to thank you for being a Christian mother. Those of you who are, I want to thank you for that. I, I want to give honor to mothers who've had to be the Christian influence to their children. Because there was nobody else to be that Christian influence. Sometime, sometime maybe there wasn't a father or maybe there wasn't a father that was a Christian and um, mother had to do it alone. Mama, keep bringing your kids to church. Keep praying with them at night. Keep reading Bible stories to them. Just, just do your part. One day they're going to be grown and out of your house and, and you won't be able to shape their lives then. You go and be a Christian mother. Uh, lead them to the Lord. Teach them to find an altar. Make them so concerned about the things of God that they'll want to find a place and, and give their lives to God and become servants of the Lord. You may be raising the next preacher or missionary in your home. You may be a single mother doing it right now, but you raise that child with a godly mother spirit. I want to honor you. And uh, I want to say that you uh, and your husband, if you're doing this together, God honors both of you. I, I want to say that um, I want to salute those who became mothers through adoption. By choice, you became the mother of somebody else's child and you poured motherhood into the life of that child. And, and you did that. And I, I want to pray for all of you today. I want to pray that God will help you in your, in your home and in your role as a mother. Let me pray with you now, Lord Jesus. I want to pray for mothers across the land, mothers from this church family, mothers who may be listening in, friends who might have joined us to worship today on Mother's Day. I pray that you give them the heart of motherhood I pray you give them compassion that is, that is so genuine and so deep that the trials won't seem impossible. And when they're so tired, they feel like they can't take another step. Would you just put your hand on them and give them enough energy to keep going another day, another, 
another step, another hour. I pray that you give them wisdom when they don't think they know the right answer to the questions and when they don't know the right solution to a situation. I pray that you would give them godly wisdom. Let their children rise up and call them blessed. Let let husbands honor those godly mothers. I pray that you sustain them. I pray that they never get so weary and so frustrated that they they cast that responsibility away. I pray that they'll keep serving you, keep loving you, so that someday they can see their children when they get to the other side. I want them to trust you when they get to heaven. In Jesus' name. And I want to pray for somebody else today. I felt burdened in my spirit about this this week. I want to pray for a mother somewhere who was only a mother for a short time. Maybe maybe it was just days. Maybe it was weeks. I want to pray for a mother who aborted her child. I don't know what the reason might have been. Maybe you felt hopeless, terrified, helpless. Maybe you got counsel from somebody that was ungodly. Maybe somebody assured you, just reassured you, this is the best way. You can keep it a secret this way. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to hurt you. It's just a little blob of, of flesh. It's just some cell matter. It's, it's not a baby. It's not a life. Maybe you felt that there wasn't any other alternative. But today, you're troubled because you realize it was a life. You're grieved and, and, it, and it did cause some damage. It might have damaged your body so that when you wanted to have a child, you were not able to. It, it damaged you psychologically. It, it, it scarred your emotions. And, and whenever you'd like to forget, it comes back and you see the pictures in your mind and you wonder what your child would be doing now at this age. And what would they look like now? What would they be accomplishing now? And you, you picture them through the passing years and wonder what your child would have been if you had allowed it to live. I pray for you. I pray for somebody maybe that what you did, you did before you came to know the Lord. And now, since you've given your heart to Him, you are so filled with grief. You wonder if He would ever, ever, ever wash that away. And I pray for the mother who feels so guilt-ridden. Now that you know, now that you know that baby did have a beating heart and your blood was in that baby's body. And maybe you're afraid that what you did was so bad that God will never forgive you. So today you're living a life of sin. You're living a life buried in your own grief and your own reproach, your own embarrassment. Afraid to come to Him. I pray for you, my friend, today. I want you to know that the arms of God are long. The Bible said His arm is not short, His ear is not heavy. And he's still reaching to you. What you did was wrong, but he still loves you. And if you'd give your heart to him, he's not going to turn you away. If you'd ask him to be your Lord, 
your Savior, your, your King, your God. He'll let you live in His presence. He'll let you feel the peace and the forgiveness. He'll let you find an altar where He can fill you with His Spirit and you'll be a brand new person and that old person will have passed away. You won't be the person who killed her baby. You'll be a brand new creature in Him. And one day you'll be able to look him in the face and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray for you today. God bless you, my friend, in Jesus' name.